Boxeo is back in the building. In this corner with Brian Campbell returns with the boxing edition, and it's ready to prove who's the real Valentino by slinging another lethal dose of that performance-enhancing audio. The Brian Campbell, in fact, yes, the voice that you hear, just about ready to tag in my main man, Big Red, for another loaded show that is set to invade your feel house, invade, invaled. Both the same. We will preview a loaded boxing weekend, including a PBC doubleheader, an attractive semifinal bout in Richard Schaefer's World Boxing Super Series 168 bracket from across the pod. We will also chat with welterweight star Danny Swift Garcia ahead of his showdown with Brandon Rios. Look, consider this another loaded show. Maybe consider it a, a, a gift to our people. Big gift to people. There it is. There it is completely. Uh, if you can also do a gift to us, if you are a regular, passionate follower of the show and have not given us that five-star review on Apple Podcasts, look, spread the love. Do do the goodwill if you can. All right? It's, it's the least we can do here. But uh, I got nothing else to sell. I don't have any books or boxing newsletters. So why don't I bring in my mainest man of all. You know him as an internationally renowned editor, author, Filipino television host. He's been known to fill a glass or two at McSorley's. He also protects all things. You know where I'm going with this. Cruiserweights. I love it when we're cruising together. Cruising was made for box. Respect was made. I love it when we're cruising together. Oh, that's Great nice. Bartholomew. That's like the uh, Elliot Smith knife to the chest coffee house version right there. That's that's some uh, low key. Uh, <laughs> give me some absinthe and let me cut off my air type of fadeaways type stuff. How you doing over there on the left coast? That's the right. That's the right sound. You know, we got through the 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 the, the meat of the cruiserweight season for this uh, for this winter, and and uh, you know we want to take it down a notch while still showing a lot of love and affection for those two hundred pound brutes. You're right. You know, we the, uh, the flag was full mast. The tent was pitched for a while for cruiserweights. Now you know there's there's not much wood as Bill Walton would say going around. I mean, there's no hard wood to whack her with right now. You know, what I'm it's, the, it's the cruiserweight refractory period. They'll be they'll be back ready for action in May or All July, right. depending on whether or not Russia's plan to hijack the uh, the World Boxing Super Series final uh, comes to fruition. Luckily, we still got some things to talk about this week, Rave. We're going to talk all PBC. We'll talk to the swag champ himself, Danny Swift. We were unable to secure uh, Johnny Dang uh, of Dang TV for an interview to talk about grills, but we do have Danny Swift. I, look, I'll take it. I'll take it. You know, we, we do have one epic uh, photograph of ourselves with TV Johnny from uh, the deep inside the bowels of Madison Square Garden one night. That what what, what, what that had to be Garcia and uh, and and uh, geez, Garcia and Paulie Malinaji. Well, that would have been the garden. That would have been uh, Barclays. Oh, I don't yeah. know anymore. See, I have a lot of pictures of me and Johnny Dang in my phone right now. So that's probably a problem. But I think you're referring to the time. After DSG Malinaji that we accidentally stumbled into the Latin Goonies post game, uh, uh, after party, you know, that was, uh, it was an interesting event with James Bag Jr. Anyway, Rafe, back to real life here. Just a small bit of news to sweep up with, uh, your guy Floyd Mayweather. 
I think he still wants to fight in the UFC or something like that. You see this now? He's trolling to the level of posting pictures of him, like, bloodying McGregor in the cage and elbowing him. He's also posting those lonely pictures of him in his giant house all by himself. Like, what's going on? Come on. Do we have to talk yeah, about I, this? Yeah, well, I, I, I don't quite understand any of it. Um, obviously, uh, uh, close observers of boxing Twitter will have enjoyed uh, the weekend's, uh, you know, explosion of Cousin Roy memes after Floyd uh, posted the picture of himself alone next to, like a crystal glass ping pong table and says, you know, playing, playing some ping pong with my cousin Roy. There was no cousin. There's already a cousin Roy Twitter account, uh, posting pictures of Floyd doing things with his imaginary cousin Roy. Uh, watch out for the cousin Roy memes. They're pretty, they're pretty, pretty entertaining. Wow. Speaking of cousin Roy, uh, uncle Roy did close out his career. That was a little bit of news last week. He beat Scott Sigmund, but we really don't care. Come on. Like, let's be honest. Like we just care because we love Roy. We hope it's over. I don't believe it's over. That's all I got to say about that fight. So well, he, he's already, he, he already reopened the door for that uh, for that crossover fight with Anderson Silva. Should it ever happen? Oh, come on, uh, come on. But that. yeah, it's your, speaking of those great crossover fights, it's. I mean, you you follow MMA a lot closer than I do. Uh, does you know the, the this progression of of posts? It's hard to just blame on trolling or Floyd wanting to get his name out there if he keeps doing it, right? I mean, is, do you think it's really building towards? I I just, it's like, as Angel Garcia once said, I just don't care. I don't care about Matisse's life. I don't care about his people. I don't care about his family. I don't care about them. I don't care. Me all too. Right? Me too. I don't want to talk about it, and I Agreed. don't care. Agree. All right. Uh, do you care about uh, LA Times' Lance Pugmire not, uh, breaking that we could be headed towards a top rank on ESPN pay-per-view that features... Terrence Crawford and Jeff Horn for that welterweight belt they took from Manny. And good old Emmanuel in back at MSG on the in the co-main if they can afford him against washed Mike Alvarado. Wow. We didn't I don't even know what week this news came out. It may have been when I was on a boat, but this is like what's going on here? Yeah, well, look, I mean, I know that the the, the reflex uh, of a lot of our uh, the hardcore boxing fans was to just shake their heads at this, uh, you know, Manny versus Mile High Mike Alvarado, uh, uh, you know, I, would it be a co-main? Would it be the main event? The, the, the whole thing That's is a little point. bit confusing. I'm I'm interested, not necessarily in the fight, but it's it would be weird. It would I think it could sell. I, I would sell better than a a Crawford Horn pay per view on its own. Uh, I, it's, it might be a way for ESPN to test the waters on, on the possibility of doing future pay-per-views. Um, it all, it, it, there's nothing wrong with it except for that fight, which is kind of dumb, but the, look, uh, what are you going to do? Uh, the, 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 Manny is in this, it, Manny is basically in the, he's not quite washed as a fighter, but his career is washed. Uh, and he's just going to do whatever, you know. <laughs> whatever makes sense. Oh man. When I hear about that potentially as a pay-per-view, I just think about this. You're Manny Pacquiao. You do not need to be getting knocked out and put to sleep by Joe Horn. Um, that's a weird pay-per-view because it's trash. But at MSG, Manny at MSG, like, that gets me to pop. Uh, Manny against Washed Alvarado is such trash. But at the same time, how about that for setting up Manny and Crawford for potential knockouts for both of them? And then building toward each other. Like, I'm still popping for that. Because seriously, Crawford, the brand, needs the golden shake handoff, right? Needs the real, he needs the rub, if you will. I mean, like, I know we could joke about it, but he kind of needs the rub. Like, everybody got, like, Manny got against Oscar. Like, Floyd got against Oscar. You need the rub, Rafe. Rafe, will he get the rub? 
I don't, I mean, you hear Bob Arum and Freddie Roach and Manny all pushing much harder in that other direction towards, you know, Vasily Lomachenko uh, later this year, assuming uh, the Lomachenko-Linares fight actually comes off that there's, I guess, in talks about, uh, thanks to Linares's, uh Instagram lobbying with fake telephones and weird uh, looking like a, like a uh, Venezuelan dictator behind the, a big desk with a fake phone. Um, but look, uh, <laughs> if they get to that, uh, whatever, either one of those fights is appropriate. I think the, it's easier as a boxing fan to sort of accept Manny having a, 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 uh, a hope and a prayer with a size advantage over, that's over Lomachenko, or at least not getting really, really hurt, you know, knocked out cold, which I think could happen against Terrence Crawford, who, wow. who just is, is so, you know, he's just, much longer, he's younger, fresher, and, and I think, you know, he would, he would bait Manny into running into a punch, uh, in ways that, uh, remind us of other ways that he has run into punches. Um, but hey, you know, that's boxing. If Manny wants to keep fighting, it's one, that's probably going to happen with one of those guys someday, and I think either of those guys would be favored. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. Well, if we can get to, to Manny Crawford, I just think it has to happen. You, T, TC needs that validation. That's an interesting idea for ESPN to do their maiden voyage on pay-per-view. I mean, you get the name. There's a lot of name recognition on that card, right? In fact, I think there's casuals who would kind of pop for that. But, man, there, there's a lot of trash on there, too, you know, in this day and age of fake pay-per-views and just busted crap. The, uh, anything else going on in news this week, Rafe? Did we get uh, – Deontay Wilder thinks that uh, – Thinks that Anthony Joshua needs him more than the opposite. Um, Anthony Joshua. I love when he calls him Anthony Joshua. Um, <laughs> that's obviously completely untrue. They, there's, a, there's a wide gap in their Twitter followers. There's a wide gap in the amount of money that they each make. But Wilder is assured that nobody in the U.S. knows who Joshua is, so he needs Wilder. But as we know, Roy, Roy, Rafe, Roy, uh, Rafe. Nobody knows who Wilder is in the U.S. either, despite all of these showcase bouts on PBC on, like, CBS and Fox. So that's just the truth, right? I mean, you know, the the, the guardians of uh, Rocky Marciano's 49-0 and heavyweight record all know that uh, Deontay Wilder, you know, is just a mere 10 defenses away from uh, from taking that. Uh, shout out to uh, Twitter for, for, for uh, getting very hot about that subject over the weekend. Top operators, indeed, something that's just not allowable. No, you're not. That is not permissible. That is not allowable. There's no doubt about it. Oh, I love the way his, I love, see, I just pop for sound effects. I love the way Atlas's voice turns at the end of that. But, uh, Rafe, with, uh, the no news of the week behind us, we haven't played What's It Look Like in a while, right? I'm with it. Uh, I, let's, why don't you start me off with number one here? We, these are potentially fantasy fights or fights we could see. Just what does this thing look like, Rafe? What do you got for me? All right, man. Well, yeah, I've missed this game. It's, it's one of our, it's one of our innovations, uh, and, uh, it's time to bring it back. And hey, I, this you segment know, doesn't have a theme song though. So I'm going to, uh, what about this one? I can lay you awake just to see you breathing. Watch you smile while you oh, yeah. sleeping. Why you far away and dreaming? I tell you, one day we will get him on the show. One day. Just to, just to sing all of our segments in. Go ahead, Rafe. What do you got for it's good. To, it's good to have the king back in our lives. Um, well, so, you know, look, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stay on brand here with the uh, cruiserweight central, all things cruising all the time. And, um, the greatest cruiserweight fight of all time, I, I'm going to say it even better than the fight that, you know, that drove 
Wendell, Wendell Stewart, Emmanuel Stewart, <laughs> um, <laughs> drove Ma- Emmanuel Stewart to heights of ecstasy, which was, uh, James Tony and Vasily Girov. Look at this. Oh my God. Um, but no, the, the real fight that I'm talking about is Evander Holyfield versus Dwight Muhammad Kyle yes. won. I mean, that is one of the most holy crap balls fights. Uh, it like, like funky butt loving. I can't believe what I'm hearing, watching, seeing fights, uh, I've ever seen. You know, forget just cruiserweights. That one is breathtaking. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I'm curious how you think, uh, in this case, uh, the cruiserweight, Dwight Muhammad Kawi would fare against wow. some of these, these WBSS cruiserweights. What if, what if we saw a Dwight Muhammad Kawi on the night he fought Evander Holyfield for the first time against today's Murat Gassiev? Wow. Wow. Kawi Gassiev. All right. First of all, Look, you you hate doing the uh, you know in my day they were better type of thing, even though really 1987 yeah, was twelve rounds, not fifteen. Yeah, it wasn't necessarily my day. Although this was right around the time I started watching boxing. I mean, this this Kawi Holyfield one fight, Rick was like ABC <laughs> Wide World of Sports on like a Saturday afternoon, fifteen rounds of hell. And the point I say that is. We talk about guys on their best night. I love Riddick Bow against Holyfield one. No, give me another heavyweight on their best night that can beat that guy. Give me any cruiserweight ever, Rafe, that could beat either Holyfield or Kawi on that one night, right? Like that's so that's my disclaimer to start the conversation for sure. But Kawi was like, I mean, he came for your soul, Rafe. Like, you know what I'm saying? He was ready to take you to the hole, Billy Ho. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is just like, uh, it's oh man, like this guy did not come to fool around. Is really where I'm trying to get at here. I love Gassiev, but could he handle that combination of slickness and how we really – there's nobody doing that type of rhythm today. You know what I mean? Like this guy's doing it's, jazz music and how he moves his body, right? I'll, I'll, I'll just jump in for a second, Brian. For if, if any of our listeners happen to be young and not of the uh, the Cialis uh, boxing crowd that, that we are uh, rapidly approaching, um, you know, the, if you haven't seen Kawi fight – or if you don't know what he looks like, the guy is like five foot seven. He was a great light heavyweight. Then moved up to, to, to cruiser at two hundred pounds. So you imagine he he looks like the athlete version of I hate to say this, but like Beetlejuice from the Howard Stern show. You know, oh, little bald head, like pudgy, and just an amazing, brutal, slick. Uh, it's it's just a marvel of of boxing art and athleticism and that comes in different forms. Anyway, finish up. He's constantly moving. It's like he's on like this pogo stick. Like his 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 waist and his upper body is constantly up and down, side to side, up and down. So you got that going for you. Number two, the guy hits hard. Like like I don't want to be the one that has to say it, but hey, that black guy he hits hard. Number three. Like, the whole come for your soul thing, like, this guy's a killer, Rafe. Like, he's not going to back down for anything. I don't know if the cruiserweights today, even the Eastern European ones, now you're going to stop me and say, hey, Cam's, they're all Eastern European, right? That's that's the, the charm of the division, right? I mean, I it's just like... How are they going to compete with that in the in the ring? I, I don't like Gassiev's chances, even compared to the other guys. He's rugged. He can do some things. But can he do some things on the level of a Kawi? I just don't think so. I think it would come down pretty soon to what, like really, how deep is his, is his backbone? How strong is his backbone? Is he really willing to go to the fiery depths of hell, which is where Kawi took Holyfield in that fight? I, I love Kawi in this one, Rafe. I just don't know if he's – if he. 
what round he's going to stop. I mean, really, that's what I'm saying to you. I don't know if it would be a stoppage. I mean, but I, 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 I just after watching that fight, that amazing display, you just I cannot bring myself to to think that, like you said, find any cruiserweight you know uh, throughout history that beats either of those guys uh, on that you know in that form. They're so it just was it was such an amazing performance. I'm 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 you know I just a uh, team Dwight Braxton Muhammad Kawi. Yes. Wow, that was 1986 by the way, the first fight and. Uh, uh, Holyfield took the rematch by KO for the next year, and then Kawi went up and fought George Foreman the year after that and got sent to hell. So this was sort of like what was left in the bottle of Kawi, although he did fight until the late 90s. But this was sort of like the last stretch of his prime right there. Yeah, that, that's where we got that. You're staying on brand, Rafe, with cruiserweights because you, in fact, love it when we're cruising together. Then I got to stay on brand with, you know... With my favorite thing, Washed Welters. Like, that's how I get down. And I know we've teased on this matchup and what's it looked like before and involving both of these guys. But I can't stop thinking about how much I love the Pacquiao-Marquez rivalry. Like, come on, dude. It's like four of the greatest fights of all time. Rafe, for our era of watching boxing, which me started in the late 80s, got serious, I think, in the early 90s. Uh, What about you? Like, late 90s, early 2000s-ish? I, I was watching. I got serious. I'd say, you know, mid 2000s, a little bit later. So this is the best rivalry of our lifetime. Like, Absolutely. Like, no, no, no question, question for me about it. I've wanted to see a fifth one since since they woke Manny up with with smelling salts in 2012. And I think it's evolved a bit on their time away and washedness on what that fight would look like. So. You know, Marquez has now walked away. The knee is not fully healthy. He can't fight the right person that he wants. Can't get Cotto in the ring. Can't get whatever. I may have already asked you this, but I just got fired up again thinking about it. What if in 2018, at the end of the year, Marquez got himself back into shape and got uh, got our guy Angel uh, Memo Heredia on the phone and uh, and you know listened to some performance enhancing audio and Manny didn't have any other business that could make him the same money and JMM actually wanted to add another chapter to his rivalry rather than walk away for good with the walk off kill your kill yourself knockout which was one of the most vicious ever Manny JMM five in 2018 humor me what would this look like. Because I don't think we've played this since Manny lost to Horn. No, we haven't. Um, and I and look, I think that if Marquez had been fighting, if he had been somewhat active, if he had fought since you know sending Mike Alvarado halfway to hell, but still uh, you know in classic Marquez fashion, suffering a knockout to <laughs> knockdown to as well, and 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 fighting to the to the final bell. Um, you know what? That was twenty. 14. Uh, so he's, it's been out of the ring for four years. That kind of ring rust, even with all of the high tech training techniques that a, a brilliant mind like Memo Heredia can bring to the table, um, you know, I still favor the more active fighter, even if, you know, you're tempted to say, well, I see, I've seen Manny and he is visibly slowing down. He's, he's, you know, looking a little bit washed. Um, but I still favor the guy who's been in the ring, who's been active, who's had meaningful fights, who really, I mean, you know, shouldn't have been in a that close a fight with Jeff Horn, but still probably still beat him um, and just got, you know, jobbed over there in Brisbane. Um, and um, so I, I think that uh, it, you know, they would pro- probably bring the best out of the each other, whatever's left of them. Uh, and it would be another, you know, slower paced, sloppier, but great fight where they would, you know, they still know how to time each other. They still know they can still hurt each other. It would be. 
fantastic. I'd be all there for it. And, uh, you know, I shoot, I actually think, I mean, I don't think Marquez is fighting again. And then, you know, you hate to see a, a champion in the corner with his trainer saying, champion, your knee's not responding, champion. I, <laughs> Like old Sergio you, Martinez. You will uh, always be my champion. Campeon. Champion. I'm stopping this. Look at me, champion. You will always be my best champion. I mean, you hate to see Marquez go out like that, which I guess if the knee is not responding is a possibility. For me, though, um, I look, I, 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 I kind of, I'm, it would always bug me that Marquez never gave Manny that extra shot because you know, Manny was not always um, eager to get back in the ring with Marquez, especially after their first fight to draw, right? I mean, he, he drew, he, he strung that out for a long time before the, the, the first rematch. Um, but he still fought the guy four times, gave him, you know, th- four chances to eventually get that knockout. And I always felt that, you know, Marquez, as much he, he's got, he, as much as we love him and he's that warrior spirit in the ring or whatever, you know, he's just an amazing, fantastic fighter we love to, to, to death. Um, he, I, he, that was a little bit dishonorable the way he, he, get, he, he hung that, he hung that L on Manny and was like, nah, you're living with that. But as well, a true well, rivalry, he had some I dishonorable guess. decision losses in his mind because he thinks he's never lost. You know that, Rafe, right? That's why he wears yeah. the sombrero over his Johnson. Like he thinks he's never <laughs> lost, right? I mean, he has a point. I mean, that, that is a, that all that you could, you could use as an argument that he won those three fights. However, um, you know, he didn't in the record books and it just, for all the chances that, that, that Manny kept giving him to, uh, to finally get the, the clean result, um, you know, I, I, I think it's only sporting that, that Manny would have gotten that, that chance as well. So the whole key about this is that like, so no, we all know Manny hasn't had a knockout since like the Clinton administration. And I think that actually lines up, but, uh, we, we have wanted Manny to be Manny again for a long time. And the only guy really outside of Jeff Horn, right? The night that Manny really got washed, that kind of pulled Manny into a pseudo action fight. Like I say pseudo because it wasn't an all out war, but it was a good, it was a decent action fight. Like I think lost in the controversy last year was Pac Horn was a decent action fight, but we want the Manny who's willing to like dance in hell, like just walk through the pearly, like walk through the gates and then be ready to dance and throw down and do the Manny things. Like you always say, crash his gloves against each other. And the only one to ever do that, that to pull that out of him in modern times is Marquez, right? So we think that just the way they're wired and their connectivity and, and their uh, chemistry, that it could happen again. And I think that that's the only time we could see Manny go for the kill again, the real kill. Cause he knows, Dance with the devil in the pale moonlight. Yes, because he knows this guy could send him to hell. This could make Manny want to bang again. We, we, we got to bang him a little bit. I mean, we're not banging him. We got, I mean, we got to bang. Um, it feels so good to bang him. We hit a guy. If they banged, Rafe? Yes. Could could we bring out the Miguel Cotto version of Manny again? And could he send a, a one need JMM to hell? And I'm not even a Manny super fan, like cheering for this and wanting this. I just think these two legends in a brawl would be the greatest thing to ever happen to me this decade. I really do. I mean, this I still catch feels from just thinking about. Manny pack four like that fight is the it's like post Corrales Castillo in 2005 I defy anyone to tell me that I'm knocking things over in my office right now I defy anyone to tell me that pack JMM four isn't the best fight we've ever seen not just in action not just in names not just in that but to put the hands inside my feel house Rafe and just move things around right <laughs> that, that, that's that's how that's how I like to measure a good fight <laughs> 
I mean, come on. So I'm, I think that, uh, I, I think Manny, Manny, Manny could, could Manny stop him? Could we see that Manny again? Or is one, stop the fantasy. We're never going to see this fight. Two, that Manny's gone and he's dead. Like where, can you put me back in line here? Well, one, we are not going to see that fight again. That is, that is dead. Uh, I do think, I mean, look, he is hurt. Marquez pretty much every time they've fought, maybe not in the third fight. Um, but, you know, he, I mean, he had Marquez on the way out, you know, so it seemed in the fourth fight. I mean, he, he had been, you know, he suffered that huge overhand right knockdown, came back, got, you know, got the knockdown back in the next round, had Marquez's nose just exploded and him having some breathing oh, issues. Yeah. And then, you know, Marquez turned it on a dime and that, that was, that created that made that ending even more legendary, epic. Um, but I think that it would be like that again. I mean, you know, these, these guys, uh, they 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 know how to find each other now, and they I think they still would even slower versions of themselves. I think the I would be there's some potential of that fight going from like a oh we were imagining the great version of it to all of a sudden we're like oh no these are like two forty year old guys uh, really <laughs> really hurting each other and they won't stop because they have this, you know, they're just, they're just not built to stop. And it's it like could, rumble just, in the jungle all over. And we're like, no, right, this all is of a too sudden, good. Like, we don't after want like this. eight rounds, we're thinking, Oh my God, what have we done? Like we are, we are monsters. We, we don't deserve this sport or these people. We, I, you know, like I need to go, you know, throw up in a bag and then finish watching this great fight. But they've touched me in a way though, that like, I'm going to want to see them fight each other until they're dead. And that's the absolute truth. And by the way, uh, to talk about how great their rivalry is and was, and it was, and every great rivalry, Rafe, and I didn't expect we were going to go this long on this, but every great rivalry always has that one fight that didn't live up to the level, like like Gotti Ward 2, right? Like Morales Morero, Morero 2. Um, this four-fight run has one that's not as good, but it's still really damn good, the third one. And I think lost in the history of the third one are two reveals that were rumored to have happened. Or not two reveals, but one is a rumor reveal. That on the, right before Manny left the locker room oh, to yeah, go to Jinky. The play, Jinky called him out on his womanizing ways and was basically like, I'm going to leave you if you don't turn yourself around. So mentally he had that dealing with on the way in. And then Freddie Roach had a really bad game plan, if you remember. Their game plan was to counterpunch the counterpuncher in Marquez. And that was a big part of why JMM was able to take, in many people's eyes, so many of the first six rounds. And then it created that need for Manny to rally in the second half, which is really what made that fight really fun and exciting. So one, Rafe, people forget how good that third one is. And two, Jinky ended the prime Manny era that night by getting him off his womanizing gambling ways. Oh, yeah. And, you know, right after that, he turned to, you know, he, he was born again. Uh, good for him. I, you know, again, I hope that his family life is better now. I mean, he'd like like there's nothing wrong with that, but it certainly uh, did not appear to be great for the old boxing career. Absolutely. Uh, Ray, if you got any more, uh, what's it look like for me? What do you got? For you, me? All right. Well, let's go and make these quick because we, we, uh, we kind of uh, splattered all over the page on that well, last you te- one. You teased um, the bag and you got the mess. All right. That's... All right. No, absolutely. I, I meant both of those. Uh, look, I like, like that was, that was, uh, one half of, that was one side of this cruiserweight coin that I am, uh, presenting to you. The other, of course, has to be, uh, you know, cruiserweight. Evander Holyfield, the night that he defeated Dwight Muhammad Kawi the first time uh, against Oleksandr Usyk, two Ooh. great two Olympians. You know, Holyfield got jobbed in the Olympics. Usyk won the gold. Uh, you know, two guys who you know. I, I guess you, I don't need to say anymore. What do you see, Oleksandr Usyk, Holyfield uh, from 1986? Uh, it's it's almost 
similar to the first equation of, of trying to figure out Kawi against Gassiev, and it's like, do the modern guys have the same backbone? Like, that's ultimately the question. We just praised Usyk for having a, you know, for proving, having to prove himself under fire. Uh, who did he fight? He fought uh, Bright, Briedis. Mairis Briedis, Briedis from Latvia. He had to prove himself, you know, in, in Riga, in, in hashtag road to Riga there. He had to really prove himself. And he did, but again, fighting 1986's Evander Holyfield is, and fighting Evander Holyfield in general is a whole different ball game. That version of Holyfield, and we, we tend to only remember the heavyweight version, in a lot of ways, the late in his prime heavyweight version, but man, could that version box, and he was so aggressive, and he had a great jab. Cruiserweight Holyfield is a freak of nature. Cruiserweight Holyfield is going to win that fight, whether he has to take Usyk's soul or whether he has to outbox him. Seriously, that, because even though Usyk is so slick, that pressure is going to be in the fit, your face and it's going to wear you down. And if that makes Ali have to brawl with Holyfield, then, you know, like like Jamie Foxx once said about Triple G. Guys, you... Oh, that's the wrong button. I just ruined my are joke. Are you serious? But he's, are, are I mean, serious? come on. I mean, you know, are you serious right now? You know, I thought Triple G was getting in that ass. I mean, we know that Holyfield's going to be in that ass, Rafe, okay? So that's that's my prediction for that fight. I think you're right. I mean, Brian, if Evander Holyfield, you know, had stayed at cruiserweight, he may not, you know, he may have just won, been undefeated for 12 years or something. I mean, he, you know, talk about a guy perfect for, for that division, for that size with the, you know, I mean, he was... He, the, the the skill the speed he had the power at that weight um you know he he could have and and granted he went up to and 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 plus what he achieved at heavyweight after that with you know as a as a smaller heavyweight often fighting you know guys a lot bigger as this at the, you know catching the beginning of this wave of enormous heavyweights uh and he was right in there you know with the best of them throughout riddick bow shoot um i mean that was you know so to say that uh usik who we love could have could 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 beat a guy on that level is basically saying that Usyk is already a Hall of Famer. Maybe he will be that. Uh, we definitely see some 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 great stuff from him. But it's it's just you can't really in good conscience do it. You just gotta be like you know. Well, if if he proves that, then he deserves all the accolades. But until he does, that's Evander's fight. Yeah, yeah. I mean he. He can't but handle Brian, his speed. So. I got a holy. Do you remember the the Burger King commercial with the Burger King buddies? No. The, the little they were selling like sliders, and they had Holyfield as the uh, as the as the endorser, and he goes, "Would you pop a buddy in the mouth?" <laughs> no, I don't remember that. I got to look that up right away. One of my That's favorite fantastic. boxing commercial memories. All right, quick one on the way out to to keep with my Walsh Welters thing theme. The final, what's it look like? You know, a guy we haven't seen in a long time, Rafe, since like 2016, and he was washed then. Remember Ruslan Provodnikov? I don't know if you remember this guy from Russia. He used to grab the, the, the mythical thing was he would grab the fish out of the ground underneath the ice and just bite them live. I just made that up. But you know, like the guy that would come in there to, to straight up take your soul. What if he came back at Welter or to give his potential opponent some grace? How about we say he comes back at junior middle or maybe his potential opponent needs a lot of grace and we just go open weight fight? But Ruslan Provodnikov against El Chino. Marcos Maidana in 2018, if I give them 10 months to prepare and get in shape, what does that washed welter war look like, Rafe? <laughs> oh, man. Um, you know, I you asked, have I seen Ruslan Provodnikov recently? Come on, man. Are, are you serious, Brian? Do you, you know who you're talking to? I have been uh, – I was on his Instagram last night. He was what? posting – yeah, man, I stay up on Ruslan news, man. He's my, I, I, I love that guy. He's, how's his mom? 
Uh, I mean, I, I, he doesn't put, she doesn't show up on the gram all that often, but, um, she is, she's legend, she's a legend for one night of, like, showed up on one night when, when Provodnikov, you know, basically sent my, Mile High Mike to hell permanently. Um, and, and, you know, Mama jumped in the ring and has been a part of our lives ever since, a big part of our hearts. I love Provodnikov because he was, uh, you could tell he, he was not going to last long at that level, just the way he fought, the kind of punishment he took. But, when you think about it in wins and losses, he changed the lives of like a lot of very good fighters. Yes. Tim Bradley, Lucas Matisse won that fight. And I don't think he's been the same ever since. Like that took a lot out Al of Jerry. Him. Jerry. He lifted Jerry Algeri to, to prominence. Oh, Avocado. Yeah. yeah, he did. He, he did manage to change his Algeri's life, uh, you know, in a positive way. Do you know how many times Mike, I mean, he may have been, he, Alvarado may have been self-destructing himself, uh, but, but, you know, uh, Ruslan certainly pushed him along the way. He, he was a guy, win or lose, you did not really want to be in the ring with a, with the good version because he was so tough. He could take anything. I mean, look, the, the number of shots he took against Matisse, uh, I don't think, you know, Maidana is knocking him out under any circumstances. However, I do think that those wars also eventually took so much out of Ruslan. Like we, like there's no other way to explain being outboxed by John Molina yes, Jr. That that yes. has to be one of the strangest results in, 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 or outcomes the way a fight played out. Like if we did a what's it look like with that fight, it never would have looked like John Molina out jabs Ruslan Provodnikov, and that's exactly what happened. Um, I think he's washed in a more significant way than Madonna, who's just blew up and is enjoying life. Um, you know, he'd have some. They they, they have, both have ring rust, but I think Madonna is the guy who you know comes back at a higher level and and you know hurt you know beats my guy. I love you, Ruslan, but it's over. And and props to you for getting out. You know, knowing exactly when it was over. And Madonna, by the way, you couldn't it couldn't be junior middleweight or middleweight. It would have to be open weight. But you know, my analysis on this fight. <laughs> Ah, uh, that would be uh, that would really get gross, lady. You're scaring us. That would really that fight would really get gross. I don't even think I could like it's it's like one of those that sounds great in theory, but that could either be really violent in a bad way because you're like somebody save Ruth Salon from himself, or that's just going to be a lot of flesh rubbing on flesh. Rafe, let's get out of there. Let's get on to our guest of the week, the Swag Champ, as they used to call him, Danny Garcia. Enjoy. <laughs> ESG on the CBS Sports In This Corner podcast. Danny Garcia, great to have you back, man. Saturday, February 17th, the Mandalay Bay in Las Vegas, Brandon Bam Bam Rios. This is an exciting fight. It's good to see you back after this layoff. How you feeling, man? Thanks for joining us. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, I feel good. I feel good. My body feels rested. I feel good. I'm about to head to the gym now. Today's my last day of sparring, so can't went well. And, um... Today's the last hard day, and we're just going to cruise into the fight after this. We have not seen you since March of 2017. The unification fight with Keith Thurman on CBS, very big deal. You suffer your first defeat, Danny, but it's a split decision, and it was an interesting fight because early on I think a lot of fans and media thought that he was the better boxer, but you came in through that mm -hmm. back door and you made a late run. How do you feel about the way that fight was scored now looking back more than a year? Like it was a good fight. It was a good fight. Um, I thought I did enough to win it to pull it off at the end. 
you know, it is what it is. The judges, one of the judges didn't give me the, the last couple of rounds, and that's what determined the fight. But it is what it is. Um, I'm looking forward to the future now, uh, rebuilding, re- rebuilding myself to the top starting on um, February 17th. Do you think you showed something against Thurman, a weakness, a reason why he would backpedal more late in that fight rather than go toe-to-toe like you did against Porter? I think my power, once he felt my power, he knew that um, he would be stupid to, sit, to just stand in front of me, so he just started moving. Um, you know, I was, I'm was i an old-school type fighter, so I was I, I give it to the aggressive fighter, the champion who wants it more. Not the champion who's you know who's running, but um I pressed the action. I thought I did have to win. The judges seen something else. Like I said, it is what it is. I'm interested, Danny. You had a long run unbeaten. You had some close fights, right? There were some fights that maybe people preferred Peterson against you, or maybe people preferred Herrero. Mm-hmm. But you kept that unbeaten run for a while, and I'm sure there's like a, you know, an arrogance you get to carry with that, an invincibility. How was it for you dealing with defeat for the first time as a competitor? It was tough. It's tough because at the end of the day, no one likes to lose. Um, you know, that's why I never played team sports because I was a sore loser. But <laughs> like I said before, <laughs> um, no, like I said, it's tough, man. It's tough. I can't lie, but I, get, I just got to put it behind me and just, and just um, worry about the future now. What do you like about this Brandon Rios fight? What attracted you? Because I think, obviously, for fans, we know his style. We know you guys are going to bang. I mean, let's be honest. Bang. There's going to be some banging going on here. What attracted you? Um, it's a, it's a, he likes to fight. You know, like I, I like to fight. I could box and I could bang. Um, depends how I feel that day. But um, it was the first fight that was offered to me, and I, I took it. And I'm excited. I think the best thing for Rios, he, it appears he's coming in confident, in really good shape, which at times he's he struggled with. He's only 31, yet, look, we saw him you know, step away from the sport three years ago when Tim Bradley stopped him. Where do you think he is right now, mentally, physically, in, let's say, comparison to his prime? What type of opponent are you expecting here? I'm expecting somebody who has something to prove. He's going to come in and give it his all. This is a... Um... To me, this is a do-or-die fight for him. But um, I'm here to show the world why I'm one of the top fighters in the world. And it's the wrong fight for him, and I'm going to show it. Now, Danny, you've had an interesting career. You had this arc where it was like one killer opponent after another, and everybody's like, this guy, DSG, he's underrated. I'm telling you. You beat Matisse. They're like, I told you so. But then they're putting cherries on your Instagram. Then but the boxing public is saying, no, this guy's overrated. He's not fighting who we want to in that order. So I know you've had to deal with all that. But guess what, Danny? Now you're kind of underrated again. It's just sort of the way the, the public reacts to things. Has there ever been a point where the public's opinions got to you, where it made it affect your decision making? Never. At the end of the day, I know where I stand. I know where I stand. I'm a great true champion. Um, I put who, I fight who he, I fight who he put in front of me, and um, you know, like I, I always find a way to get the job done. Like I said before, I never let nobody. I know what I can do, so I never let fans or media. You're always gonna have people who love you. You're gonna have people who hate you. That's just how it is. So I already know that's how it is, and I just put work in the gym and show up fight night. And that's and that's what that's what that's what that's what my job is. It sounds almost like you used it as fuel. Like, has there ever been a time that you remember somebody slighting you in the media and the fans, and you're like, I'm taking that to the gym with me? 
there was a lot of fights where I felt like after I was the underdog, I just felt like going crazy on the interview, but I just kept my composure. Like, I told you so, but I didn't. I just, you know, I just kept it, like, humble. But um, it is what it is at the end of the day. Um, like I said, if I, if I was to act like that, it that's not who I am. So I always try to keep my character and just be who I am. I respect that. I respect that a lot. I actually really liked the the interview you did ahead of the Thurman fight with Showtime where you showed, you know, a side of your personality talking about your dad that we hadn't seen before. You are a publicly calm and composed person. You got a great father, trainer, and angel who can be your hype man, who can tell people that, tell Matisse he's the not the real Valentino or whatever that great speech was. Yeah. That was my favorite <laughs> moment, Danny, in Angel Garcia history in 2013 ahead of that Lucas fight where he told off the media. He said, nobody's giving Danny a chance. And be honest, I'll be honest, Danny. Matisse was so hot, we thought he was going to knock you out. We were wrong, and we thought that. Yeah. How, what does that moment <laughs> compare in your favorite Angel Garcia moments when he came out there and gave that rant? Oh, great, because I knew before me and him knew going into the fight that he never faced no one like me before. You know, no someone with a grand, good chin, Someone who comes to fight, someone who never gives up, and someone who has power. And we knew that we put a lot of work in the gym. We watched his fights, and we knew that it was a dangerous fight, but it was a new. We we also knew it was a fight that we could win, and we proved it that night. Very true, very true, Danny. You very you're an elite counterpuncher. You talked about your power early. A big part of your success is that chin. How much of a great chin? is mental as opposed to physical. How do you sort of describe why you are able to take opponents' biggest shots and keep coming? More than anything, you have to be in great shape. You have to be in great shape. That's a big key. You got to be in great shape. You got to mentally uh, be aware in the ring. You know, you got to know how to absorb a shot. It's a lot of things that play a part. I mean, nobody wants to get hit and just to show the world they have a chin. So, you got to prepare yourself, you know, for the good and bad of the sport. And I think that, that that's one of the um, main keys of having a good chin. All right, Danny, hear me out here. Keith Thurman beats you in a close fight. Then he hurts his elbow. Then he sits out for a while. Now he says, I'm not going to fight who you want me to fight, Errol Spence Jr. I need another year to tune up and get back ready. I don't know if this means, DSG, that you're going to put cherries on Keith Thurman's Instagram. But do you, res- <laughs> do you respect the way he's handling this? You know, only he knows how he feels. So, as a fighter, um, I don't know how it feels. Um, I know there's a lot of pressure. You know, I've been, I've been, I've been the young guy who's hungry to want to win a title. I've been the unified champion, and everybody wants to fight you. So there's a lot of pressure on him right now, and um, we just gotta see how he's built for it. Danny, you've been quoted as saying is you think Spence is a good fight for you. I said on this podcast, I respect that. That's what we want to hear you say. What do you see in a rising star like Errol that where you feel like I can take that guy down? You know, at the end of the day, um, I've been there before. Um, a lot of people think, you know, like until you until you stand in front of me, then then that's that's when the game changes. So, but like I said before, uh, maybe that's a fight in the future, but. Right now, I just got to focus on February 17th and just get this victory first. One final note here, Danny. Conor McGregor got a Floyd Mayweather fight. Andre Bruno got a Floyd Mayweather fight. You never got that chance on the highest level to make to, to make that crazy payday and make that chance to prove you're the best in the sport. Do you regret that looking back after the last few years, not getting that opportunity? 
No, not at all. Um, I mean, I would, I would love, to, I would love to get the opportunity, but you know, Floyd knows who he wants to fight. It would have been a lot of exposure for me. It would have been a lot of money, but at the end of the day, you know, that's their blessings and that's, it's good for them. Very true. DSG, we'll see you Saturday, February 17th on Showtime, 10 p.m. Eastern, Mandalay Bay. Brandon Rios, expect fireworks. Good luck to you. Great to talk to you. Hope you're well, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. Ray, full disclosure, you were you were not there for the DSG interview. You didn't hear the, the, the full sound that the fans just did. But I want to run a couple things by you on um, what we talked about with him. I almost feel like I'm changing my tune on what really happened in that DSG Keith Thurman fight from last March. Neither have fought since then, right? But we know that DSG lost a split decision. It was like 115-113 either way. Now, watching that at ringside, I was very impressed with Thurman because outside of those rounds at the end that I thought at the time he gave away willingly, I felt that he proved he was the more superior, you know, slicker boxer. He was the he was the better fighter overall that night. I thought at the time Danny coming back was really only because Keith got too cute with himself and was doing the Oscar Tito thing. Like he just was like giving away rounds thinking he was on top. But watching that fight again and asking Danny about it this time, I wonder if Danny's not right. You know, it, maybe Danny's right here. Maybe Keith started to feel that power, didn't want to get into the type of war he was in against Porter, and to avoid trouble, you know, walked backwards to the finish line. What, what, where do you go with this? Well, look, I think on on that, I I tend to see I see the point. Um, I think it before I treat it like gospel truth, you got to mention that that's the fight that Keith Thurman messed up his elbow in, and you know it it, it, it makes sense that if he had a, a, an elbow injury and he wasn't going to like walk into the fire and start trading combination, you know, start, start getting into exchanges with Danny Garcia with, with, you know, one bum arm, especially when he knew he had a lead and, you know, he was basically just playing it safe, playing it smart. I, that said, I wasn't great. I, I definitely didn't like the way he finished that fight because Thurman had out, outboxed Danny. He had really, he had a really great performance through the first, what, seven, eight rounds. And then he starts taking his foot off the gas. And, and, and we've seen the, him do that e- even against Robert Guerrero at the end of their fight, at the, which opened yeah. up the, the, the brilliant PBC era for us. I mean, back in the days of Hans Zimmer and <laughs> no ring card girls and Handicap all Handicap ramps, things. right? Handicap ramps to the ring. That's, yeah. that's right. You know, um, you know, uh, so, and, and so, um, you know, I think that's something we can be concerned with for, for Thurman. And it's, and it's also the thing I think it's the kind of thing that can come back to, to, to haunt a fighter. Not, you know, if they, if he tries to do that again in a matchup and he misjudges how far ahead he was, he's basically the, the, the old Oscar Tito story, you know, you don't always, you don't always know, you know, and you might as well go out there and win those rounds unless you can't. Um, and, um, you know, but I, that I, I really liked, the Garcia Thurman fight because those exchanges were super tense. Cause you knew that both of those guys are very good, you know, just great. I mean, Danny's got great timing uh, and, and both guys can, can land in those exchanges and both guys were, you saw them shaking each other up a little bit, even in when, when Thurman was being more active and I think winning some of the, the, those early rounds um, there were times when, you know, 
Danny would uncork the, the, the left hook and land it. And you saw him, Thurman step back, like, oof, all right. You know, and then of course, Thurman landed a hook of his own that, that almost had, uh, Danny down in that fight. So the, the tense, the intensity of those exchanges was, was one of my favorite things that I, in boxing last year. One of, you know, it was really a, a great, you know, a great little moment. Uh, unfortunately, it, you know, Thurman faded and, and or fade either faded or chose to to take off the coast through the end and it didn't uh it didn't give us like a huge exciting rally to 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 make it a great fight but uh I I think Garcia is is uh you know right to tell himself that that for whatever reason Thurman was wary about coming in and exchanging yeah. with him down the down the stretch of that fight I just think it hasn't uh Thurman's performance hasn't aged well. And I think maybe it's because he's been out and now he's doing he's kind of double crossing the fans like we talked about where he's saying I want to take 2018 as like a you know a rehabbing year and I'm not going to fight Spence till next year and that sort of makes us all angry of course. Maybe that's you know clouding my judgment, but I feel like ringside that night I was willing to forgive Thurman for kind of coasting at the end and just say, well, look, he proved that he's the better fighter. Like this guy's for real. He's he might be the best welterweight in the world. I can't wait till Spence is good enough. Let's see him together. And now more than a year later, I'm starting to re-question that and go, are there more holes in Keith Thurman's makeup than we want to admit? And did DSG expose a little bit of that? Right? Because like if now I go back, if I could be in Thurman's corner between rounds ten through twelve in the Danny fight, this is why I would have told him. I mean, come on, like, go for the kill. Maybe he's Better not that guy. Better get inside on him a little bit, Maybe, you know? Yeah, maybe years later, maybe a year from now we'll find out that DSG opened that door of what's behind there, that Thurman's not the guy we thought he was. Maybe, or maybe it's the elbow. I don't know. It was an interesting Well, I comment. mean, you know, the, 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 the true Thurman heads will remember that, you know, I mean, he is his, his fight early on with uh, Diego Chavez is sort of the, responsible for the for the, the apparent myth of uh, Chavez as a decent welterweight kind of, you know, <laughs> yeah. lasting so long. Everyone clinging to that, man, he rocked Thurman in round two. I think he broke his nose, you know, and, <laughs> before getting sent to hell. Uh, and then... Uh, same for even JSK yes. kind of jumped on Thurman a little bit. You know, we just, and Colazzo landed that body shot, you know, so did the quarter. Point. I mean, the, yes. As good as Thurman is, he has not looked like a, a perfect, untouchable, you know, unbeatable fighter. And that's probably why uh, he may want to take his time getting into the ring with Errol Spence, who looks exactly like that unbeatable and fighter. And it's like I wanted to anoint Thurman, Thurman so early, and I wanted to say he's the next guy. Come on, Floyd, Great guy. He plays guy. the flute. I mean, I mean he's got great. man bun. He does it. I mean, you it know, is... everything you ask for in a champion boxer. And what stinks is like – Throughout 2014 and parts of 2015, Keith was the guy who wanted to jump the line and fight everybody. Remember he called out Floyd back then and Al wouldn't let him? And now it feels like Keith's the guy that's saying, hold up, everybody, now that I'm making this money. I don't know. Anyway, uh, I did ask DSG straight up. You heard in that interview uh, if he's going to put cherries on Thurman's Instagram for, for how Thurman's been acting. And he gave the diplomatic answer. He didn't take the bait. You know, he's like, everybody can make the – I respect anybody for making the decisions on themselves. That was interesting. But one other thing you gotta I like – got to ask Angel. You know, if you want – if you want – you got to ask – if you want the real answer, you got to ask Angel. Oh, absolutely. Come on. The one th- – I mean, you know, Angel's not going to backwash. Believe what I'm telling you. Now, that's not backwashing either. I mean, that, we <laughs> always know that. Uh, but one thing I liked is, look, Danny had a lot of close losses that we thought he should have lo- – close wins that we thought should have been losses. But this was the first real loss against Thurman, and that does sort of, a, you know, take down the – take the cape off of you and take down the myth. And I like what he said where he said, quote, that's why I never played team sports because I'm a sore loser. And you could tell that that loss – you know, he did need that time to recover. You know, he did that need that time. So it seems like he's 
back to being himself hearing that. And we're going to find out this weekend, Rafe, as we get into our weekend preview, the, you know, maybe, maybe not the best fight on paper of the weekend, but the most uh, star power is that Danny Garcia, Brandon Rios fight showtime, 10 PM Eastern from the Mandalay Bay in Las Vegas. We did touch on DSG a little bit last week, but as we head in here, Rafe, I know you're going to try to talk me into the idea that Bam Bam's back, that he's in shape, that not only is he going to bang, but he's going to make this a fight. And we talk about sometimes watching a fight and cringing. I think this is going to be one of those cringe ones where DSG and that left hook is going to just routinely send Rios to the doorsteps of hell, but not push him through the gates. And we at home are going to go push him through the gates and finish him. Rafe, I got a little bit of fear, even though I like the fight. I like the personalities. I like the star power. Where are you going with this? Look, man, you called it. I don't even need to talk right now. Um, I have a long history of certain fighters. You can talk me into just about anybody, uh, you know, being a live dog against them. You know, go back to my my courageous predictions of Kermit Cintron and Alfredo Angulo, you know, finally ending the Canelo train. You know, I, I thought it was going to happen. It didn't happen. And I, I have similar feelings towards uh, towards Danny Garcia. You know, first first time first one of the first fights I covered live was uh, was the undercard of uh you know hopkins dawson won believe it or not and on that undercard dsg fought kendall holt and i thought he i thought holt got robbed i was like damn man and it just kept happening with danny um and then he would step up and beat uh, someone like lucas matisse and drive me crazy again um (laughs) I'm doing it again. I'm doing it again. I like what I see from Bam Bam. I look, look, Brandon Rios. The when he craps the bed against Tim Bradley, he was in the worst shape I've you've ever seen a fighter in that kind of fight. I mean, very close to it. Um, he had no energy. He was at, you know he had no muscle definition, which is kind of standard for Brandon Rios. But he was not. He just he was not in it. Um, he hasn't. He's taken a ton of damage in his career because that's how he fights. Uh, but I, I still believe in that chin. And if he is in shape and can be active, Danny Garcia doesn't move his feet, right? He likes to plant and throw that big, uncork that great left hook. Uh, he also can't, he'll let you outwork him. So the question is, Really, if we get a good version of Brandon Rios, which I can't believe I just said, uh, if we get a, a good version of Brandon Rios, prime, not washed, bam, bam. Um, should I hit this Teddy get... sound effect now or should I wait till you're done? Can I? I'm, 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 I'm just wait just a couple seconds. If we get that, um, he's going to get in there and he's going to be working. And I, 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 if he can take Garcia's punch, which I think is still possible. Like, I don't think that's crazy to suggest. He, like, he, from what we've seen, Brandon Rios doesn't get beat by, you know, someone knocking him out. You know, he gets beat because he's out of shape. He can't take a body shot or whatever, whatever. He's going to be in there working, working, working. It's based, and the pressure, I could really see him pulling this one off or really dragging Garcia into a great, uh, dogfight, you know, back and forth, you know, a, a, a war of attrition, and and maybe Danny still wins that if Garcia can't, if if Rios can't hurt him. Um, but I think we're gonna see a real version. He looks good. He's been in better shape for like three months than he was going in for that Bradley fight. I think we're gonna get a real Brandon Rios comeback night. Yes. Stop that crap. Stop it. Stop it. 
I mean, you had to know that was coming. I will say this about Rios. He got into life-changing shape for the Alvarado trilogy fight. And unfortunately for all of boxing fans, Mike spent the week in a hotel room at 5 a.m. in Denver, right? Like living it up with that dude with the crazy color jacket on. And we never got to see how good he was. But I know he's only 31, but like Teddy said, stop that crap. Um, no, he's they're, they're gonna the first round's gonna be all action. He's gonna go back to the corner and he's gonna tell Robert Garcia he's back with Robert Garcia. And he's gonna be like, you know, I effing love this, and Robert's gonna be like, I know you love it. You know, it's gonna be great. Oh, here's the problem. Um, he already gave away a part of his soul by by allowing himself to quit and get knocked out against Tim Bradley, right? I know that was 2015, and I know that he retired afterwards and got away, and now he's in way better shape. But that was sort of the the emotional, spiritual step to being done. The only thing left, Rafe, is the physical step to being done. And I think that Danny Garcia is the wrong guy to be a target target for. And I love the idea of him crowding DSG and making this a fight. But I think that Danny's going to land that left hook all day. And it kind of goes back to last week where, you know, something I talked to Danny in the interview about is that he floated between underrated and overrated a lot in the last couple of years, right? Danny Garcia did it in a lot of his based on matchmaking. But that one loss in his career that was documented was against Thurman, and he may have almost backdoor won it because Thurman took his foot off. So Danny right now is almost underrated, Rafe. Like, we forget how good this guy is. And he's certainly great against this level of competition. I think he stops Rios and becomes the first guy to do it. And I think it'll look a little violent. I think it may be one of those turn off the lights, one punch KOs. Like, I'm saying it right now. I'm sorry. I don't want to say that. I don't, you know, I love Brandon. I love Rios, but I think this is going to be a violent knockout finish for Danny Garcia. Well, that would be the smart way to approach this fight, but I'm not going to go there with you. I am going for, uh, you know, uh, Brandon Rios, late stoppage, just wears him down. Too much work, too much heart. Just, you know, he's, he's back, baby. I don't care about Matisse's life. I don't care about his people. I don't care about his family. I don't care about... He doesn't... Angel does not care about your opinion. Rafe, the co-main event is a good one. David Benavidez, who won that super middleweight title last year at just the age of 20. He's now 21. Putting that unbeaten record in a rematch against Ronald Gavril. You didn't watch this last year, one of the fight of the year contenders that you... Yes, I did. ...pay paid all over. You were like, I don't need this in my life. Last September, that split decision 12. I remember on the show, you were like, I, I ain't got time for this. That was a good fight. I think it either showed that Gavril's better than we thought or that Benavidez isn't as good as we hope he is, but they're going to mix it up a second time. Do you care about this rematch? Still, no, I don't care. I don't, I don't know why this is even a rematch. I mean, it was, I, I, I went, I, at some point in time in my life, I have watched that fight. Um, maybe not before we recorded about it, but, you know, it was decent. Gavril looked good. He, it was a close fight. I don't, it didn't seem like it was immediate rematch worthy. Um, yeah, get this. I mean, and, and probably what, if it, you know, when we see these kind of rematches, you, the, the, the better fighter who had the off night comes in and blows out the guy he, he, he should have blown out the first time. It's probably what's going to happen here. Um, and I'm not even that huge on David Benavidez yet. He's, I, I'd still like to see some more. I guess it, it has a good, since the first fight was good, there's a chance it's one and will be also good, but, you know, Neither of these guys are, are really moving my needle yet, and, you know. And you know, we got bigger, bigger things going on at the 168 pound division to talk about. I'm that not letting very you off true. that hook. Let me let me pause you there before we get to that 168 fight, which is the fight of the weekend, and just clean up one more piece of slop. And I call it slop jokingly, but this is actually the fight I care about the most this weekend by far, Rafe. If Showtime at 10 p.m. on Saturday night 
gives you Garcia Rios. Don't forget, at 8 p.m. Eastern on the same night, PBC is also giving you a Fox card from El Paso, Texas, with washed welters in the main event. Devin Alexander, Team Anus, is going to take on Team Face Loop, Victor Ortiz, in a who's more washed type of, potentially a who's more washed type of deal. This is the perfect welterweight fight for me. PBC has so many of these potentially washed welters. Guys, put them in a tournament, please. Anyway, this is the fight I want. So, look, Vic, we love Vic. I don't think you could take a real punch against anybody who has a real punch anymore. The whole key for me here is at 31, can Devin still go on a run? Like, he had that washed run where, like, Aaron Martinez defeated him in a decision. And, like... That was the low point, certainly, but he also, you know, he wasn't his best against Khan in that showcase opportunity either. I want to find out if Alexander could be a, a real player again, and if he is, he's going to knock out Victor Ortiz in less than four rounds, and somebody in the crowd is going to throw pizza in his face. Like, that's that, that's one end of the potential action, you know, entertainment potential. The other side is we may see an accidental brawl here. Like, it's possible. Yeah, I, well, here's the thing, though. I mean, we could see that. It could, it obviously, you know, going back to the, the Berto Ortiz two days when, yeah, you know, Vic Ortiz looked okay, then he took one shot, didn't get up, and then, you know, we had, uh, the original Pizzagate before it, before it turned into <laughs> that sordid affair in Washington, D.C. Um, Wow, how look, dare you bring that on my podcast? How dare you? Uh, um, look, Coach Haas, you know, I think he defended. I think he defended his guy well in that situation. I just rewatched uh, and- that. Coach Haas put up the Dukes. He put up the Dukes <laughs> like the guy during the Palace Brawl who tried to fight uh, Ron Artest on the floor with the the fat guy with the Pistons yes. jersey. He put up. He was ready to slip punches. Uh, and but but the, the the thing I'm a little afraid of. I I could also see uh, Devin Alexander basically fighting like he did against washed Randall Bailey when he picked up that uh that welterweight strap in uh the first ever Barclays boxing event uh, uh that put many ever. of us to sleep um you know and base and just you know out we're out moving Ortiz and and making a very boring stink it out uh, wide decision in favor of, of Alexander which wouldn't be a, a, nearly as much fun as either of the two outcomes you suggested that can't happen because um here's why that can't happen because if Victor Ortiz is somehow rejuvenated for real, his style alone puts so much pressure on you because he squares up and walks right at you that I feel like he would make it a brawl. And if he's washed, his style alone means he's going to square up and walk right in front of Devin. And even if Devin unloads regular punches, he's going to get him out of there. This is going to yeah. be a Devin Alexander knockout, and we know this, man, right? I say yes just because every time Ortiz fights against you know a – not even a, a elite welterweight, just a a guy who is like a, a fringe contender. I mean, you know, whatever. we saw basically him. He he got knocked out in less than four rounds against against uh, Luis Calazo, and then again less well two rounds to Calazo and and four to Berto. I mean, and and neither and. It's just, I mean, Colazzo is probably a little underrated. He deserves a bet, especially after, you know, sending uh, Sammy Vargas to hell last year. He yes. probably deserves a, a, a half-decent shot this year. Um, but it's just, you know, at this level, uh, we there's no reason to ever trust Victor Ortiz again. Even if he does have one good performance, um, I, I he's going to need more than that before you ever feel good believing that he is in a fight like this to win it. I mean, sadly, even Saul Corral, the... the uh... The cab driver who Victor Ortiz knocked out in his comeback last year, that guy was even landing shots as Vio was yeah. squaring up. I mean, we may end up hearing this after the fight. I'm young, but I don't think I deserve to be, you know, getting beat up like this. So, so yeah, I mean, it's sad. But the co-main is unbeaten well, Caleb. I, 
Go. What may you I, got? May what do you, I, what do you got I, for me, Rafe? May I? May I just the, the thing that? So I, I look. We're all we like the washed welters. We I think you know everybody who likes the humorous side of boxing has deep affection for Victor Ortiz. Thing I don't like about these Alexander Ortiz fights is that you know already PBC is going to use this as like to get one of them back into the ring in a real fight where they just get blown out. These one of the winner of this fight is going to end up fighting Keith Thurman in something that makes us all want to like, you know, stick our heads in the toilet. Um it's that's it's it's like Jose Cito Lopez Berto, you know, it's like two guys with names who aren't we know aren't good and the guy and one guy has to win and that's going to propel him into a fight that we don't want to see. I hate how that happens. Yeah, but I love these fights first, though. These, like, I love... At least we get the, well, at least we get the fun Berto fight on the way there. You know, Berto Ortiz 2 was great. Hey, let's do the trilogy. Anyway, the co-main has unbeaten Caleb Plant against Porky Medina. We're um, really going to get into sweet hands here? All right. I mean, I, I just wanted to get one second. Do you believe in Caleb Plant? So he's dating, by the way, Jordan Hardy, who's the, the, the cute PBC host. The, of She hosts PBC. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Just, yes. James Bag Jr. on Twitter is always talking about her. They're an item according to their Instagram accounts. Do you care about this fight? And is he going to take, or is Porky Medina going to take a soul like he did to the, uh, who, who did he do that to that time? Well, he didn't quite, uh, did, did, he take, did, oh, he, did he take Badu Jack's soul? No. Or was, no, Jay, that no, was that Derek, was Derek Edwards. Edwards. Wasn't it Jay Leon Love? Didn't he send him to hell and he's never been back? Oh, yes, I believe that is true. And then he also had the uh, very suspicious, uh, like, through 4,000 punches performance against James DeGale that, that may have, like, you know, put DeGale on the road to hell. By um, the way, after Jay Leon got his soul taken by Rogelio Medina, you know who he beat up on to come back? Scott Sigmund. So that's just, oh that's what, you know. well that means you know it's time for Love Jones. All right, you don't hey, care about. Hey, is that a great tagline? Love Jones, that is the movie. Great. That is oh great. man, so get Lorenz Tate out here. Woo. Why am I wasting time? You don't care about Caleb Plant, Porky Medina. I just wanted to mention that Jordan Hardy was hot. All right, I got it out of the way. Okay, you, I, 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 you know what I have to say about Caleb Plant? I, I looked at some boxing scene photos of his training camp, and he's training in front of a giant poster for a Mickey Bay fight. I appreciated that. Wow, wow. Remember that time I was in Vegas at, a, at the Palm Steakhouse and Mickey Bay was in the uh, table next to me and I was taking sly detective photos of him because I was so excited and I DM'd you and you didn't care at all that I was even yeah, next to why are you Bay? gonna? Why do you have to creep on Mickey Bay? I've seen you in casinos run up on Eric Morales. Campeon! Campeon! Run up on Rocky Juarez. I mean, like, you, you, you know, run up, chase Darren Barker through the MGM Grand while he's running away, ignoring you, just pretending like you don't exist. Um, you know, why do you need to creep on Mickey Bay? Look, there's... It's still real to me, damn it! I know I'm a journalist and I get chances to interview people and that's fine, but when I'm... When I'm away from that and I'm like out to dinner and there's a boxer, it's still real to me. I still get fired up. I'm like, hey, Rafe, Mickey Bay sitting at the table next to me. Remember when his testosterone level was like a hundred <laughs> times above what it could have been when he fought Molina and got his soul taken? Anyway, Rafe. The, he was the, hashtag horned, man. You can't blame him for that. It happens. The the jewel of the weekend is the WBSS World Boxing Super Series. In the super middleweight bracket, we have a semifinal bout for the WBA super middleweight title at the Manchester Arena in England. It's George Groves defending his belt against Chris Eubank Jr. Rafe, it's a 5 p.m. Eastern start. I don't think it's televised in the U.S. Hopefully we can find one of those Richard Schaefer YouTube Facebook links. That you're I expect about. it to be there. I mean, we had it last week. We got a good show two right. weeks ago. We got a good chance. Love this fight. Break it down for me. I love this fight. I Look, we saw two great WBSS fights in the Cruiserweight semifinals, right? I, am not, I don't even hesitate to believe that this 
I, I think has a likelihood of being better than either Usyk, Redis, or uh, Gassiev, Dortikos. Like, I think this is going to be, this is like, before we see what comes in, the, I, this is my early fight of the year uh, pick. Like, it is just a great oh. matchup. Uh, these guys, uh, it's, it's got, I mean, the atmosphere is going to be great in London. Eubank is really coming on. He suffered that sort of, you know, loss to Billy Joe Saunders when he was coming up and has just been on a great roll. Uh, and, and Groves is defending the, that title that he, you know, tried, uh, worked so hard to get, right? It meant so much to finally win a, a belt at 168 after, you know, the close, the first close call against, uh, you know, the, the, the great one, the Cobra, Carl Frotch, uh, then getting sent to hell in front of 80K, you know, again, once again against Carl Frotch, hey, shout falling short against Badu Sportness. Jack. I mean, uh, you know, Grove, that title means a lot to him. He's going to really want to defend it. Uh, and uh, I think it's a great, great matchup. Uh, what do you, who do you, who, what do you have a pick in this one for me? No, I was just going to say, if you're going to mention this, 8,000 to Wembley Stadium, you got to bring up Alex Godinez, our super fan. All right. That's our guy. The one and only. Yeah. I mean, come on. You know, if I ever had a chance to interview Floyd, this is what I would ask. I want to question Floyd, if you don't mind. In my last fight before, before I knocked out George Groves at Wembley Stadium. If... Oh yeah. Everything you said, look, this has fight of the year potential. It's a true British grudge match. And I love those, right? Like they hate each other. I think it's going to be a brawl, and I think it's going to end in a knockout, a late knockout. I think it's going to go some rounds. But I think it comes down to really, for me, it's obviously it's going to come down to, like, power against chin, who has the better chin. But I think it's going to come down to who's the better fighter technique-wise, because if they're going to be in there and banging and putting it on the line, wearing their heart on their sleeve, flexing their Hello Kitty tattoo, then it's going to come down to who's going to get to that chin in a key spot more consistently and I think Eubank is the better boxer the better fighter in this you know Groves can get in there he can bang but he's he fights with heart right you know and I think you Eubank is the better talent like I think he can be a star Rafe his only loss was against Saunders and he nearly the only reason he lost that fight let's be honest because he didn't have the same activity level he kind of took his foot off the gas a bit and allowed that to be a split decision I think Eubank is going to stop Groves and I think this is he's right in saying this is the biggest fight of his life and I think this is his showcase opportunity to sort of retool, come back and say, I am for real. And you know them Eubanks, Rafe. They're cocky. They can sell. This guy can be a star bigger than England in my mind. Like, I think he, he could be a, a player. He could be a guy. And I think this is the catapulting fight. Now, I say that and this fight's not even televised in the U.S., so I have to take a step back, right? If this was the Showtime main event, then it would be a much larger audience where he can make that statement to. So there's a hashtag fail in part of that. But... Look, this is the fight of their respective lives, except for 80,000 at Wembley Stadium. And I think I got to favor Eubank here. This is going to be a great one. And I think he's just a better class fighter. Brian, I, I, I mostly agree with you. Let me play a little bit of devil's advocate here just to present the opposing side. Um, Chris Eubank Jr. looks like the superior boxer. He's quicker. He's a bit flashier. He throws prettier combinations. Um, but... You could, I think there are, there's a hipster argument out there for George Groves being the sort of classier, cuter, sort of a little more experienced, uh, also very high level boxer who might have the timing and power and, and just defensive smarts to not get overwhelmed the way we've seen some of these low, lower level opponents against Chris Eubank Jr. 
and know to, you know, to sort of pace himself and wait for that moment where we've seen, I mean, Eubank Jr., what's, what I, one thing I love about him, he is a showman in the ring, right? I mean, he, he fights with panache. He's, he's a guy, usually when you see guys, you know, we're used to American fighters with that level of athletic ability, the, the quickness, the sort of, you know, the ability to fight slick. You, you're used to them being defense first, right? That's, a, that's sort of often what we see in them in, 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 with guys with that sort of profile in America. Eubank does not fight defense first at all. He's quick enough to, to be defensively responsible, but he goes in there and, and, and uses that, that speed to really put it on guys. And he, that works, except you, we've seen moments where he gets a little, he'll, he's one, he, he has a little bit of that Amir Khan in him where, oh, he how will, dare you? How dare, not the how chin, but you? remember how Amir Khan's, you know, stays in the pocket and he'll commit to the, like the eight punch combination when he lands the first four and could get out. Chris Eubank has a little bit of that in him, and I could imagine someone like George Groves, who has a heavy punch. I mean, he put down Carl Frotch heavy. And Carl Frotch, the man with the 80,000-pound chin, put him down heavy in the first round of their first fight, just like he said he would when they gave a little grab and pull. Actually, they gave the little grab and pull uh, before the second fight. But, you know, these guys uh, – I, I, so Groves, I give him a shot – I think that's the the argument for him if you think if you believe he can win. However, I also think that he's had a lot taken out of him. I mean, going through two really hard fights with Carl Frotch and and you saw the way he looked like a, you know, sort of like he was being held up by prayers at the end of that first one when he got stopped a little early but it was on the way, right? Um I think he's just had a lot of a lot of he's had a lot. He's been in some really tough fights. He, you know, he had that close loss to Badu Jack, who we now see is a really is kind of a more elite fighter than we thought he was at the time. I think he's he's just not as fresh, even though they're close in age. I think Groves doesn't have as much in the tank. I think it, I think his chin is not as strong as it may have once been. And I think that Eubank's going to get there first and test it early. And I agree. While I you you know you can't totally dismiss George Groves, I do expect Chris Eubank to to win by knockout eventually. Stop yes. him, you know, mid late rounds. Yes, yes. I love you. I make you a okay. Great, great choice right there, Rafe. I think that you know the best case scenario is just going to be action. There's going to be action. I like the late stoppage pick by Eubank myself. I just want to see where it goes. Uh, the, the winner will go to the finals of that tournament. They may face Jurgen Brommer, who's fighting a week from now. Callum Smith. I mean, you know, he's been Smith. hot for years, kind of not as hot as he used to be. But, yeah, I don't, uh, I don't care that much about them. I'm sorry. The I'm Fighting really Smith honest. brothers? I'm going to be really honest. I don't care that much about them. Okay? Paul, Liam, no. we've seen them all get sent to I, hell here in America at various Smiths, times. You know, I don't care about my teeth's life. I don't care about his people. I just don't care about them, all right? Um, Rafe, quick on the way out, I want to play uh, sp- a speed-bound version of Prime Wash because we got to really come to a final decision on some of these right. players that are going to be out there this weekend. I'm going to start off with you, um, our main man, number one. Dude, this is nuts. VO, Victor Ortiz, right now. Age thirty one, prime washed. Gotta say, washed man. Until he, you know, he. There's not. There's not much Victor Ortiz can do to, to win back the belief of you know boxing fans and observers that he can make it through a, a tough fight. And he's while he's a talented fighter, he's not so talented that he's gonna you know breeze through the welterweight division without without ever being in a tough fight again. I think he's washed. I fully agree with you. Nothing more to say. It gets interesting on number two. Devin Alexander. Rafe, because he is just 31, right? Took some time off. 
I mean, he's maybe never going to be that guy who landed that uppercut on Juan Urango and got James Foley to, to, you know, buy a larger size of pants. I understand that. But Rafe, like, he did, like, he could have gave him the nod over, over Lucas. I mean, he gave him the nod over Lucas, too. And I know Angel really believed that Devin Alexander beat Lucas. I got to to beat him. What the this hell is though. I'm not taking he sides here. Him. I'm not taking sides here, Angel. I know. Angel, you. I'm not, I'm not taking sides here, but he won. It, was, won. it was a very right. disputed, very disputed decision. Alexander won. All that shit. Get the hell out of here. Alexander won. Let's make it right. Alexander won. Zad won. It doesn't take no further than that. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, Alexander won. Black and white. In America, it's called black and white. Paper. Black and white. Lost. Lost. No. Oh, wow. Shout out to our good friend there from Fight Hub TV, right? The great Marcus Vegas for that 2013 interview. But I think, uh, you know, Zab thinks that Alexander won. I think he could still be that guy again. I'm going to say prime, Rafe. <laughs> prime is uh, is not maybe prime, not the but, word you choose. Right. I say an incomplete. You know, you're like, he is young enough. He hasn't been in too many, you know, really like damaging fights. What's the, what's the biggest, what, what's the worst? I mean, I, getting headbutted by Tim Bradley 17 times, uh, you know, getting, you know, man, man hugged to a decision loss by Sean Porter. You know, he hasn't, he, those were physical fights. He hasn't quite had that much taken out of him, but he also looked like garbage uh, in, in, in recent past. Um, I think he's certainly less washed than, uh, old VO and, uh, you know, slap a little of the face lube on that Popeye bicep of uh, Devin or Alexander, and uh, he can look prime enough to beat Washed Ortiz and uh, get him book himself a date uh, back to uh, you know Washed Central USA against somebody like uh, Keith Thurman. All I know is that Legends Bar and Grill in St. Louis is going to be rocking Saturday night, Rafe. All right, uh, Brandon Rios, number three. We got two more here. You He's, know I say prime, man. I'm calling the prime here. right here. Get prime. The hell out of here. He's washed, Rafe. And uh, what do you got for me? You got any others on the prime wash? I want to throw a quick, you know, uh, a quick little, uh, you know, pop culture one at you. You know, I watched. Uh, a, the the new kickboxer movie kickboxer retaliation uh last week which is on demand available uh you know with the legend Jean-Claude Van Damme looking prime in it you know still trim still can get the kick up pretty high like he's not the main guy he's not beating the new uh well, it, well Tong Po was defeated in the last one that was your bride Dave Bautista from, yes. from WWE um but um you know in this one they had uh you know JCVD training, uh, the new kickboxer, uh, what's his name? This French Canadian dude, uh, you know, Moosey, uh, to, to beat, uh, the mountain, the, the world strongman from, uh, from Game of Thrones. Anyway, JCV, what I'm saying is Van Damme is prime. He's still prime. You know who I want to ask you who may be washed? Your guy, the one, your hero, Steven Seagal. Is he washed? I mean, how come? Are you ready to to give that guy tell tell me he's washed? You got to admit this, Brian. He can he is most he's most noteworthy for saying crazy stuff about Vladimir Putin and eating carrots and dancing. Dude, What's he's up? Been washed since like 1995 or six, whenever Under Siege Two came out. That was the top of the mountain, Rafe. We know this. Yes, he's painfully and crazy washed, but he had a prime within his washness that is almost unrivaled. So, are you asking me is his washed? prime his unintentional comedic prime now wa- double like really washed yeah yeah he's really he's really so i can put washed. jcvd above oh, him in the career no. you know oh, <laughs> hell no oh hell no i can i can take that to the bank 
did you, by the way, did you see this JCVD controversy that came out? You know Cody Garbrandt, the former UFC bantamweight champion. I'm I'm familiar with the guy. If yeah. you get a chance, Gar- Garbrandt's told this uh, story on a few different podcasts to go listen to it. But apparently, uh, Uriah Faber, who owns the gym in California, would bring in JCVD to spar with them every once in a while. And I guess they all got drunk the night before. JCVD comes in and he's dripping sweat the next day, just stretching. He warms up for forty minutes just by stretching his legs, and then wants to like kind of play spar paw with them. And they're kind of, it's on video. They're kind of sparring, pawing. And out of nowhere, he turns around and like heel kicks Cody Garbrandt right in the mouth. Like, like, and then Cody runs out of the cage because he's so mad and he wants to kill Van Damme, but he can't because Van Damme's like 60, right? And then he eventually just leaves the gym in a a hurry and everyone in the gym and outside thinks that Van Damme punched him and all this stuff. Van Damme gets on his hands and knees and cries because he feels so bad and he doesn't want to get thrown out of the gym and get, you know, moved out of this circle. It's just a pathetic, uh, situation there right it was very interesting i thought you'd be all over that story well you know it happened in an mma gym it's not exactly my you know put it high on my radar but you know what to me that just says he's more prime man he's still he's still landing <laughs> kicks on on prime and ufc fighters guys who were fighting for titles recently i mean geez By the way, you know that's that guy's an amazing specimen it's you know just you know knock you out and do a split over you teabag style Bellator, uh, should, you know, they do like to do these carnival fights, like, you know, like the Lake Kimbo <laughs> Slice against Dada 5000. Can, can like, we get CM Punk versus Van Damme? Well, that's what I'm saying. They should have jumped. I mean, a lot of these guys are just washed now, like Chuck Norris washed, but they should have like 10 years ago or five years ago or even right now, let's do it. Get, have an action movie fighters division, like where you bring expendables, back expendables, ex- contender expendables. Oh my god, that's genius. And just have these guys have these one round sloppy five minute fights and it would be fantastic, right? Find out for real who's the real, right? You know, I, we don't, that, that's the reason why it will never happen because none of these guys are the real. <laughs> and, and the minute they get, they, they show themselves in an actual fight, it's like, you know, the whole, whatever is left of those legends is toast. Cause, you know, we saw Sensei Seagal working with Anderson Silva about five, six years ago. We saw those videos floating around. And in those videos, Seagal's fat, but his hands are so ridiculously fast when he's messing around with Silva and he, and he gets on Machida and he puts him in like this arm lock and like everybody's tapping to him. And I know they're, they're being respectful, so I get that. But at the same time, it makes you believe that, like, you know, Prime Seagal would have been, like, I'd just been cracking bones left and right. Like, you know, like He did up. have amazing hand speed. I mean, he was like the Gary Russell of his of his uh, weight class, which is now, uh, I don't know, 350 pounds. Uh, and also, well, you know who the actor who wins this is. is the light heavyweight, you know, prime boxing Mickey Rourke. I mean, come on. I mean, he sent that homeless guy to hell in, in Russia <laughs> a couple of years ago. Oh, wow. Not you. Not you, and not you. Oh, wow. Rafe, let's get out of here. We've already exceeded our time limit and, 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 and welcome this. Uh, we can follow you on social media at Rafe Books. People can buy uh, two and two McSorley's, my father and me, on paperback, hardback, uh, softback, uh, audioback, whatever they got going. They can subscribe to your newsletter. They can go to your Twitter account and get a hold of uh, of Respect Box and, and be be a part of that jam. Uh, follow me at B. Campbell CBS. Uh, get any words for the people besides two of them? Just those two, we out.